Please be seated. Wonderful, wonderful morning. I just want to take a few minutes and share a few thoughts with you from the Word of God this morning. Um, the, the, the point or the theme of Vacation Bible School, we're talking about digging into the truth. And so the kids have been learning from the Word of God, doing crafts. It's kind of focused on archaeology and learning that as they dig into God's creation, they can learn about Him, that we have a God who wants us to know Him, that wants us to discover Him and to walk with Him. And so that's what we learned this week. It's been awesome to have your kids with us and um, to teach them those truths. Um, I had the opportunity a few years ago to go and visit Israel. And uh, one of the things that I saw while I was there, I saw a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, one of the things I saw that I was kind of stuck in my mind is that um, our, our tour group leader took us to an excavation site and he showed me the layers of civilizations. And he showed me how people, uh, when a new civilization comes over an old one that doesn't exist anymore, they literally build on top of each other. And so when you dig into the ground, you can literally see these peoples that lived over years and years and years. And, and so we this week looked into um, the Word of God and the layers of God's truth as it's found in His Word. And so that's really what I wanted to share with you this morning. As one of our youth told uh, you as well before, um, Jeremiah 29, 13 is, um, is our memory verse, our theme verse. And in it, God tells us that um, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so what that tells us is that we have a God who wants us to know him. We have a God who is discoverable to the one who comes to him seeking him, to have a relationship with him. And so that's what I'm going to talk about with you this morning just for a few minutes. One of the things the kids learned this morning or this week as uh, we've uh, taught them and, and shared in the Word of God together is that before Jesus came, God sent these men called prophets ahead of him. And these prophets told the people that one day this Messiah would come. So before Jesus ever came, it was prophesied or foretold that he would one day come. Israel was going through a difficult time in their walk with God. And this is described in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And uh, they were in rebellion against him. And so they were, they were experiencing the consequences of the rebellion. And so God gave them this prophet named Micah who, who came and told them, listen, it's not always going to be this way. One day, someone's going to come. And in Micah 5.2, it says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago and from the days of eternity. Now you're used to hearing Micah 5.2 said at Christmas time probably that talks about Jesus' birth where? In Bethlehem, right? But it's important for us to recognize that there was a Messiah and his name is Jesus and he is real and he was born in a real place on this earth and the place is called Bethlehem. Even King Herod, one of the most powerful people in the regions of the Middle East at that time, believed that a Messiah would come. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, it says this, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, 
Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. You all probably heard this right at Christmas time. Saying, where is he who was born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, this is the prophet Micah, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by, mo- by no means the least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Israel, or then Herod, secretly called the Magi and determined from them from where the exact from them when the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. And so we find out that it was prophesied before Jesus was born that he was going to come. And then when he came, the greatest rulers of the age living in that area looked at that prophecy and recognized that a king was born. That king's name was Jesus. Jesus was born in a real place. Jesus was born at a time in our history. Just at that time, Israel would go to God and they would slaughter uh, sheep and, and bulls and calves for their own sins. And the blood that was shed was a sacrifice to cover their sins and to make them right with God. Jesus would come as an innocent lamb. He would give His life as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And before Jesus was ever born, this prophet, uh, this prophet named Isaiah talked about what Jesus would do. In Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, it says, But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. It says, All of us like sheep have gone astray, each of us to his own way. But the Lord has caused our iniquity to fall on him. That's the same passage that an Ethiopian eunuch was reading while riding in a chariot. And then someone sent by God would go to him and show him that that passage in Isaiah 53 prophesied and foretold about a Jesus who was going to come and had, in fact, come to take away the sins of the world. That's something that we taught your kids this week. Another thing that we taught your kids is that Jesus' teaching leads people and led people to dig deeper into who he is. After Jesus had died on the cross and rose again from the grave, on that third day, a movement began. This movement would swell at a day of Pentecost, a Jewish religious holiday, when a man named Peter stood in front of the people of Jerusalem and proclaimed that Jesus, the one who died on a cross not far from that place, was buried in a grave and rose again on the third day, that that Jesus was in fact the Messiah for whom the people were waiting. And those people were challenged on that day to turn from their sin and trust in Jesus as their Messiah, as the Lord of their lives. As we unearth facts about Jesus, we discover that He is the promised One from God. That He's the one who fulfilled everything God prophesied about before He ever came. Finally, we learn that through faith, we can be transformed because of Jesus. Through our faith in Him, Jesus can transform your life 
followers of Jesus were shocked and sad when he was crucified. Imagine what it was like on that day if you were one of his followers. Imagine spending three years putting your life aside to walk with this man, Jesus, believing that he is in fact the Messiah whom God sent, the one you read about in your Old Testament, only to see him hanging on a cross like a criminal, only to hear that he had died and that he was buried in a tomb. That would not be the end of our Savior, however. And he would rise back to life on the third day. Now, on that day, and shortly thereafter, Jesus' followers would learn about his resurrection from the grave, that their Savior wasn't dead, but he was alive. Shortly after Jesus rose from the dead, Luke 24, 27 tells us and something Jesus did. He, he met two men walking on a road and, and began to tell them about who he was. It says in that text, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. You see, the scriptures about Jesus don't just begin in the New Testament. They began in the Old Testament. In fact, they began at Genesis when Adam and Eve fell into sin in the garden. God gave a promise that sin would not always reign over humanity and that one day we would find forgiveness, that our, our relationship with God would be restored. And then throughout the New Testament, we read about his followers celebrating that Jesus is the promised Savior and that their lives could be transformed. One follower of Jesus wrote the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And this is what it says in Hebrews 9, 11-15. But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption." For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, to sen would sanctify for the cleansing of the, of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant. So that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that, that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus provided his own blood as a payment for our sin. And he cleanses us and our conscience from dead works. And Jesus is the new covenant, the promise of eternal inheritance. God promises us in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. We have a God who desires for us to discover him. We have a God who desires for us to walk with him. We have a God who desires to cleanse us from our sins, to make us right, to restore our lives, to give us a new life and to make us into a new creation. That God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you were doing last week, yesterday. I don't know what you were doing last night. It doesn't really matter because God loves you and God wants to redeem you through Jesus.
Now, you might be asking, how can I know this God that you speak of? How can I have the forgiveness that Jesus has to offer? I'm going to share with you right now what we call the gospel. You probably heard it before. This is the the cornerstone of our faith. This is why we do Vacation Bible School. This is why our 40-some-odd volunteers come and volunteer their time for three days. They take off work. They're here from morning to night. They pray. They prepare. They, they pour in their blood, sweat, and tears into Vacation Bible School, this camp that we offer to the kids of Key West for this reason. So that the kids, so that you can hear this gospel. This is what we believe. That God designed this world and everything in it. That everything we see, that every part of what we experience here is, is designed by God. That God designed you on purpose. You were not an accident. God knew you before you were born. God knew everything about you. God knew your life. And God loves you. In fact, God designed you to walk with him, to have a relationship with him, not just here on this earth, but for eternity. And God has a purpose for your life. Now, the problem is, what we run into, our problem, is that we don't always want to do what God wants us to do. Amen? Anybody can affirm that? Our kids got it quick. It was quick here and slow and quiet this way. That's okay. The problem is that, that we decide we don't really want to do what God wants us to do with our life, right? We, have, we deviate from that. We, we decide, well, I know what God wants, but I'm not going to do that today. The Bible calls that sin. When we, when we deviate or move away from God's path for our life, that's called sin. If you don't believe you sin, just talk to your kids. They'll show you that you do, right? Mine are good at that. We all sin. The problem is all of us sin. We fall short of God's glory. We're all in the same boat. Nobody's holier than anybody else. Nobody's less sinful. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. So we're all here in this room and we're all in the same boat. Nobody's really better than anybody else. We got a big problem. Our sin separates us from God. A God who loves us. A God who wants to walk with us. A God who wants to spend eternity with us. Our sin separates us from him. And the, the consequence of that sin in our lives is brokenness. Would anybody testify that we live in a broken world? If you don't believe that, turn the news on when you get home from church today, okay? Or read the newspaper. we got all kinds of problems in this world, right? We just came out of a pandemic. Right now, there's stuff going on in this world that's very, very troubling. So we live in this broken world, and, and, and our hearts are searching for purpose and, and something better. We know inside that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be in this world. I think we could all agree about that. Now, we try to fix our brokenness on our own. Right? It's something that we all try and do. I'm going to tell you some things that I did before I knew Jesus. I felt that brokenness, and I was searching for purpose, and I thought, you know what? If I just found the right relationship, I'm going to feel fulfilled, right? You all probably felt that before. And, and I had a few relationships as a young man, and none of them fixed the problem. They were nice, right? But I still felt broken. In my college years, I thought, you know, I'm just going to, like, have fun, right? I'm going to live the life. 
And I would wake up on Saturday night after a night of drinking. That did not fill the void in my heart. I'll tell you what, it left me with a headache, dehydrated, and searching for more purpose. Because alcohol doesn't fill that purpose that's inside of our heart, right? It might numb it for a while, but it's not going to fix it. And then as I grew, you know, in my college years, I kind of left that stuff behind, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to get a really good degree. I'm going to get a great job, right? And then I'll have what I'm looking for. That didn't work either. I had this festering brokenness that nothing else, good things in this world, they, they wouldn't fix it. And then I realized when I heard the gospel that nothing would fix the brokenness inside of my heart because only one person could do that. God knows we're broken and God loves us. We already, over, we already talked about that. And because of God's love for us, he sent Jesus to heal us of our brokenness and to fill the void that's inside of our heart. Because God created us to walk with him and we're not walking with him to fulfill the purpose he designed us for, we've got to be restored to that relationship with God. And so God sent Jesus. And this is the gospel. All the sin and fall short of the glory of God. God sent Jesus to come. Jesus walked on this earth. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died on a cross. Like that. While he was on that cross, his blood poured out from the injuries that he sustained. While he was on that cross, he received from God the wrath of God for the sins of the world. That's your sin. That's my sin. That's why we're all in the same boat here. Jesus received the wrath of God for our sins. And he died on that cross. He was dead. Then they took him down from the cross and they did what was proper in Jewish um, tradition and they buried him in the ground, not in a grave like we have. It would have been like a cave. And they put him in there. And they kind of thought that was it. But Jesus didn't stay dead. And this is what we celebrate on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. On the third day, Jesus came back to life. Jesus came out of that cave. Jesus conquered death and sin and the enemy Satan and the control that he has over those who sin. And he gives us this invitation. That's the gospel message, what you just heard right there. And he gives us an invitation. If you would repent or turn away from your life of sin, those mistakes that you're making, that, that life you're living, that's deviation and, and away from God's will, if you would turn from that and instead place your faith in Jesus as the one who died for your sin, follow him as your Lord, which means the leader of your life. He's kind of calling the shots doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. It just means we've decided in our heart, I'm going to do what you want me to do. So if you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's going to do two things in your life. He's going to help you recover the purpose that God designed you to have. That does not mean that your life is going to be perfect. What that does mean is you'll have the purpose that God designed you to have in your life. That feeling of brokenness, that emptiness is filled by God's Holy Spirit in a relationship with God through Jesus. 
And then he's going to help you pursue the life that God designed you to have. Now the question that we put before your kids today, and the question that I want to put before you all today, is have you made that decision to follow Jesus? Because what we're going to do next is I'm going to invite the worship team up here. We're going to do another song. We're going to have in in what we call in this church a time of invitation, a, a moment of decision. So in a minute, everybody's going to stand up. We're going to sing a song together. If you have not yet turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you need to do that today. Not tomorrow. Not like after church is over. We're going to do it right now. So what I'm asking you to do is if you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. In a minute, we're all going to stand. And I'm going to invite you to take a step of faith. And what that means is you're going to stand up with everybody else. And by faith, you're going to step out of your pew and you're going to walk up here. And we're just going to pray with you. We're going to show you how you can follow Jesus. We're not going to embarrass you or point you out in front of anybody else. But this is why we do VBS. We love your kids, we play games, we do awesome crafts, but all of them drive an idea home about Jesus. And so with you all here, it's such a blessing to have you here in this church. I mean, all of our our regular church people and some visitors, I'm glad everybody's here. But for those of you, no matter if you're regular here or you're just here for today, you have an opportunity now to respond to Jesus and to be saved. So would you just stand with me just for a minute here? Heavenly Father, I pray over us. Lord, we are all in the same boat. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have a past. All of us at some point in our life were separated from you. Lord, there are some here maybe that need to take that step of faith and receive you as Lord and Savior. So I'm just praying over those people right now in this moment those who are feeling your Holy Spirit, they don't even know that that's what they're feeling. They just feel like they got to do something. I pray that you would give them the faith to take a step out of the pew and come forward in just a few minutes here and follow you as Lord and Savior. I pray also over those that are already believers, Lord, that they would be encouraged in this moment to walk with you, to renew their relationship with you, Because you are a God, as your promise says in Jeremiah 29, 13, that when we seek you and find you, we will seek you and find you when we search for you with all our hearts. You're a discoverable God. It doesn't matter what we did yesterday or last week or last month or last year, God. You want us to know you and walk with you. Help us now in in these next few moments, Lord, to walk by faith and to take that step forward and be saved. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
I see his love and mercy washing over all our sins. The people sing, the people sing. Amen. If y'all would just be seated just for a couple more minutes. We're almost finished. I just wanted to take a minute. Please have a seat. Thank you so much. We're almost done. Um, I want to take a minute and just ask anybody that participated as a volunteer, no matter what you did in VBS, would you please stand up? Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. 
Okay, now, Miss Alice, Miss Rochelle, Darlene, you guys were our directors. I want you guys to, to stand as well, please. I know these three directed and ran our VBS this year. Amen. to reveal our final diaper drive numbers. All right, Brandon. Brandon's going to first announce what it was this morning before you adults contributed. Thank you, Director Darlene. All right, so this morning, before the parents came, girls were at $313. Boys were at $298, so the girls were ahead with a total combined $611.49. Which was 3,058 diapers. Holy moly, that's a lot of diapers. Fun fact, on average, one baby uses 6,000 diapers the first two years of their life. So we have done about a year as of this morning before you guys helped. Also, if you guys don't know, the Florida Baptist Children's Home, we have three of them here in the state of Florida. That is where our diapers are going. It's the orphanage that the Southern Baptist churches support. Read them off of the diapers. So the girls, ladies, your total that you brought in after this morning was $754.67. Boys, my men, we brought in a respectable $641.70. So they basically like more than doubled, which is incredible. That's amazing. That's holy moly amazing. Which means that our total altogether is $1,396.37. So if we had one year this morning and we doubled it, more than doubled it, that is 6,981 diapers. Y'all are amazing. That's such a blessing to the Florida Baptist Children's Homes. Brother Bruce? Okay, sorry, Brother Bruce. I have a couple more things. All right. So, closing us out, we are almost done, I promise. Um, we had one very special volunteer that came to every single training. She was here early, she stayed late, and that special certificate goes to Haley. Where did she go? Haley! Okay, now more fun stuff. After this, when it's completely done, 
our youth group over there will have a 10-minute game in the field over there. It's called Organized Mass Chaos. They use an acronym. <laughs> acronym OMC. So if you are in grade 6 to 12, meet in the field over there. We will have a hose to hose your children off after the game, and then they'll get in your car. <laughs> Spectators are welcomed. It's a great time. We will all observe the youth doing organized mass chaos. That's in 10 minutes. It's a 10-minute game in the field right after church. Wait, wait, wait. Where are you? Guest kids are welcome, yes. If you are in the ages of 6 to 12, this is just a youth event. Yes, guests are welcome. Okay. Um, last thing for our kids. Okay, yes, they're going to get ready for a song. That's what they're doing. Um, in the back, we have kid packs to go home with all of the kids. If you came to Vacation Bible School or not, just grab a bag. It has a lot of little fun things in it. Our women's ministry is kicking off. There's a calendar in the back with a hibiscus board in the back. That's our new women's location. Thank you, Alex, in the back. Grab a calendar. We are having a movie night. Grab a flyer. Bring your family. Our kids are ready for the last song. And I have successfully done my announcement list and kept you over a little bit longer. Prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so great. There is nobody else in everything we know greater than you. Our love, our praise, and honor is to you. Thank you for these children that came, the youth that came, and these parents that came. We ask your blessing upon them from now and their walk with you. Many of them have been with us many years, and we love to see them grow, and we love to see them grow in you, Heavenly Father, and that's why we ask their blessing upon you, upon them. Keep them safe in this crazy world we live in, and let them grow in their faith in you. Heavenly Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice you made for us. Keep us ever mindful that our walk is with you, and we should keep our eyes lifted to the heavens. Be with all of these that came today. Bless them. Thank you. And we just pray that we can come back again and continue our honor and praise. Amen. And just so there's no confusion, you guys, um, when they're done with this last song, they're just going to come find you in the pews. That's how we're going to or, uh, organizingly uh, dismiss.
mother in a church hat clap Man, that sugar gave your color purple coming back clap uh, When that whole week beat you up and stress you But you hear that organ playing and remind you of your blessings And on another note, she just hit another note Chills down my spine, got me crying, make me overload You don't know about it though, old school church hymns Seekers get the humming out of drama, finna burst in Look for change, lie. 